also said that every generation needs a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Stargate to the Cosmos on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. And I'm your host, Janet Kerr Lesson, and my co-host is Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson. Our producer is Thomas Becker, also known as a mad painter. And tonight we have a special guest, Kevin Trimmel. And Dr. Lesson's running a little bit late, but he should be here any moment. So Kevin Trimmel is 29 years old. He lives in Ontario, Canada. And on November 12, 2008, he was bicycling in a forest close to where he lives. He stopped for a break and thought a cloud had passed overhead and blocked out the sun. He was shocked when he looked up and saw a grayish-white triangle-shaped craft, like the typical TR-3B, except it was grayish-white, not black. It was hovering only a few hundred feet above the treetops. The craft was moving overhead at a walking pace only a few kilometers per hour, and so he followed it for several minutes, walking his bicycle as he continued staring up at it. That's how slow it was moving. And then, when he reached the end of the trail, where the forest opened up into a field, the craft began to rise up into the air, slowly gaining altitude until it faded from his vision. About three weeks later, he started recalling traumatic memories from another life involving what he would later find out is the SSP secret space program. The TR-3 returned in late March 2015 and flew over his house at exactly 3.45 a.m. Then came back the same way it had flown over 15 minutes later at exactly 4 a.m. He would later find out from a higher self-channeling session with Carl Mollison, which has since been made public, that a re-abduction experience had occurred that night. So in, the, in June of 2017, he decided to do his per, first public interview with Denny Hunt on Why Is This True YouTube channel. And since he has continued to develop his SSP, Secret Space Program, timeline with the help and guidance of Tony Rodriguez, who also experienced a 20 and back. He can remember being loaned out to the ICC, which is Interplanetary Corporate Conglomerate, for additional training and testing on Mars, 
where he encountered Elena, Aliana, the star traveler, who at that time worked as an instructor for the ICC. He spoken to Elena about the training program on Mars, and she was able to fill in some of the blanks. So he's still in the process of remembering everything that happened, but in the past few months, he made major progress when he was able to connect with Anthony Zender and K.J. Scoops, who also have shared recall of everyone serving together in the program. As of right now, he has divided his time in the two timeline into two categories, the first being the physical external events that have happened to him since he was first taken in 2008, including a face-to-face encounter with the MIB, as well as six sightings in the white PR3 thus far. And the second category is the lead-through memories of what happened during his SSP term, which comes back in the form of vivid, lucid dreams and flashbacks. So, Kevin, uh, we had you on another show, so this is a, a brand new audience. So I want you to start from the beginning and go slowly and fill in the details of what happened that uh, you remember and any additional regressions or what's happening now. Go ahead, Kevin, and take it away. Okay, thanks, Janet. Um, it's good to uh, be talking to you again. Uh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Matt, is uh, Kevin coming in? Oh, uh, he's okay? fine. Yeah, he's fine. Wonderful. Okay, good. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I guess... Uh, yeah, this would be a new audience, new show, so um, I can uh, start at the beginning uh, um, uh, with the intro there. Uh, uh, you covered the uh, when they first picked me up in 2008, uh, and uh, so I'm just going to uh, jump right in um, to what I can remember uh, after they picked me up. And uh, one of the uh, earliest uh, recalls I have is um, they actually took us uh, to the Arctic first, um, and that's just um, a brief memory of... Uh, being inside the craft, and um, they uh, they have these view screens inside the craft, uh, and I'm still not sure if they actually have um, actual windows uh, at, at the uh, the front of the craft. You have two pilots, and um, they have these uh, like a holographic interface. So it looks like two windows, but it could just be um, uh, like plexiglass with um, a holographic interface with cameras outside the craft. Because uh, what I mean is. Um, it, it looks like a window you can see through, but then um, their readouts uh, come up on the screen, and uh, the screen is actually augmented with holographics. So um, when you're when you're strapped into the craft, uh, and this is the smaller one, the white one uh, that uh, the Canadian forces use, uh, um, you're strapped in and um, in, into like this roller coaster seat that pulls out from the wall. And um, I remember uh, being strapped in. Uh, three seats were folded down on each side, uh, and then when I looked across from me, I could see a fourth seat on either side that could also be pulled down. Uh, there was a there was a gentleman um, strapped in right in front of me, and then there's another person uh, strapped in beside me, uh, one seat over, and uh, so you're facing each other. Um, and uh, I turned my head and could see the two pilots, and and uh, on one of the screens, uh, uh, they were it was looking forward. But then on the other screen, uh, it was looking straight down as it was uh, lowering uh, into this uh, sinkhole. And so the craft lowered into this uh, sinkhole. It was like, uh, it was, uh, like snow-covered tundra, and there's this massive like sinkhole of a cave, and it was just lowering down into it. And then um, uh, as it lowered down, there was uh, this chamber that had been cut out uh, of the side of the, the sinkhole, and the TR-3 
uh, flew into it. Uh, and uh, I kind of uh, remember, like, I just got really tense because when it, the, the chamber wasn't that large, it was very, very narrow. And I almost felt like we wouldn't even fit in, inside this uh, side chamber. But um, I, I, I've come to realize, uh, having talked to other people who have been on the craft, that uh, there, there is an AI, an artificial intelligence, uh, that uh, can pilot the craft like an autopilot as well. So right. I, think, I think at that point, um, they switched on the, uh, the, the AI to actually fly into this side chamber because uh, we, we just fit into this tunnel. And I think because of, you know, human air, um, they probably put on like an autopilot, uh, much like um, they have like cars now, self-parking cars uh, now. So it's almost like the same technology where it can uh, scan the side of uh, um, a cave or a tunnel entrance and can automatically fly uh, into um, like into an underground base with only a few feet on either side of the wings, you know, to uh, to make sure it doesn't uh, right. crash into the wall. Uh, so that was kind of scary. Yeah, I wish like... I had that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it does make things safer. Um, of course, there's negative implications about the AI, which I can talk about later. But uh, yeah, that was freaky. Just lowering into this like hole and then flying into the side of uh, uh, this um, this like uh, chamber. Um, that's one of the first recalls I have. Um, I don't really remember too much about what happened in the Arctic, um, but uh, uh, the first significant uh, recall I had, uh, this is the, the shared... Let, let me ask you about that. Did they wipe your 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 mind after the Arctic? Because you don't remember much. Or do uh, they, they do that you, you don't uh, remember? They wipe you when they put, uh, right before they put you back. So, I mean, so at the, at the time, I would have been aware of what was happening. And um, like what Tony Rodriguez talks about, like if you do a 20 and back, like you, uh, they, you experience the 20 and back and then right before they put you back, that's when the blank slating occurs. So they just erase, you know, 20 years worth of memories. Um, so it comes back in pieces. Um, so like it's very fragmented. Unfortunately, I've done my best to uh, try to develop a timeline to try to put it into chronological order as best I can. Um, so uh, one of the earliest memories, uh, yeah, was like flying uh, into that sinkhole uh, in the Arctic. And then um, the most significant recall uh, that happened next was uh, the one with KJ Scoops. Um, uh, this, this was very early on in our training when we were cadets. Um, it's possible this was uh, the underground base in the Arctic. Uh, it's difficult to tell, though, because when you're underground, uh, there's no windows <laughs> and um, right. and you have no, uh, you kind of get disoriented because uh, you're just in this underground base and, uh, and I've, uh, I've been really uh, trying to like remote, go back and actually remote view it to get a better idea right. of where I was. Uh, but it's difficult. It's very scrambled. And also the power suggestion is very powerful. Like if, if they put you in an underground base, they could say, Hey, uh, you're on Mars. And it's like, how would you know? where you are if you're underground you could literally be um like here in canada in an underground base and then they tell you no no you're on the moon this is uh, this is underground or this is uh you know underground mars base or something how would you know uh, the power suggestion i've very been powerful. i've been in an underground base and i totally get what you're saying you have no idea <laughs> where you really are uh you don't like i was uh traveling it seems to be down and towards you know, more of the center of the earth and I don't know if I traveled miles, hundreds of miles, you know, you lose all perspective. But what happened to me, and this may have happened to you, is my soul keeps going back there. Like in my dream state, I keep going back there with these kind of like screen memories and I get there and I'm 
I'm exploring all the time, and I'm, I'm trying to recover that lost piece of my soul that was left underground, uh, trying to reconstruct it. So I understand what you're talking about. It's fragmented. Things come back in pieces. I've done several regressions. I could probably do several more to, to really get the whole story. But go ahead, continue. So who is K.J. Scoops? Uh, yeah, K.J. Scoops. Um, uh, she's male, a male, female? Uh, she's a lady, and um, uh-huh. and she also, um, after she saw um, my first interview with Denny, uh, she reached out to me and she said, "Oh my God, Kevin, I had the I, I had the exact same memory of what you described. I think I'm the the blonde girl that was sitting on the bed in the underground barracks that you were talking to, uh, because uh, um, uh, from actually before I get into her perspective, I'll, I'll share my perspective yeah. uh, because this is uh, okay. uh, I, this is significant and this has happened to a lot of people where uh, I only remember so much." From my perspective, and then you meet someone who has the same memory, but they uh, they remember a different part of it, and so you both have two fragmented memories. And then when you're able to actually um, uh, like uh, talk about it, you're able to fill in the blanks for each other and and actually retrieve um, you know the full memory from two different perspectives. Uh, so um, from my perspective, that what I remembered was being in this underground uh, like. Uh, Mayan-looking uh, uh, base, like everything there uh, was cut uh, out of the stone, this dark gray-colored oh. stone that, um, with like laser precision, it looked very Mayan. Uh, and uh-huh. uh, and and what 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 it was is this uh, this chamber with a couple side chambers cut out, and they set up they had set up these uh, like like army cots inside mm-hmm. these uh, chambers, and uh, there was uh, sixteen of us, uh, men and women. Um, we were all. Uh, like in our late teens, early twenties, and um, I remember uh, sitting on one of the cots, um, uh, talking to this uh, blonde girl with a curvy nose, and uh, and uh, <laughs> but I couldn't remember what we were t- uh, what we were talking about, um, and then um, and then all of a sudden uh, the lights go off, just like you know, like lights out, and then in the morning, um, three people were missing from our group. They uh, they lined us up. Uh, uh, in this corridor outside of the, the, the chamber, and uh, I noticed three people were missing. And uh, so far, I've been able to identify uh, two of the three people, uh, KJ being one of them, uh, and also um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dave Marrow. Uh, he did an interview with the Basis series a couple years ago, and um, I was also able to talk with him. And uh, he uh, he has uh, the same memory, and um, KJ remembers him there as well. And um, so, from my perspective. The lights go off, the lights come back on the next day, and uh, she's missing and two other people are missing. Um, the, the third person I, is just blocked. I can't put uh, a face uh, to the person. I feel like it was a male, but I just can't put a, a name or a face to it. But uh, I've been able to identify at least two of the three so far. And uh, so I ask, um, when we're lined up in the corridor, um, the commanding officer comes out, and I ask uh, uh, where, where they went. Like where are they? Like where did the uh, those three people go? And uh, he uh, actually wrote down what he said. I want to get this right. And this is on my timeline. Um, he said, uh-huh. "You don't need to know where they went. It's none of your business. Fall in line and keep your mouth shut." And then that's when um, wow. my my recall ends. So it basically said, "It's not your business. Like keep your mouth shut. Like and just line up." Um, so that's 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 where my memory ends. Now when. KJ um, watched my interview and I described this uh, first uh, significant recall. Uh, she remembered uh, for years and years having this the same recall of, of 
being in the underground barracks with, with Dave Merrill and uh, uh, talking with um, a tall blonde guy, me, um, uh, on the bed before lights out. But uh, uh, from her perspective, she actually remembers what happened to her when they uh, when they took her. And uh, the reason why um, they took her was she was actually saying to people, um, we're going to remember this no matter what. We have to remember this. Uh, she was uh, uh, using the power of um, giving yourself an internal command uh, in your deep subconscious so that um, you'll remember it later on. And uh, it's the same. It's like what you described. Like, I, I think your soul does remember um, what happens to you. The blank slating is like a physical, chemical thing they do. Um, uh, I think they beam like, frequencies at you. And there's probably some drugs in drugs involved and um, they can chemically um, uh, suppress memories uh, uh, but uh, uh -huh. your deep subconscious uh, I feel is uh, deeply connected to your soul and um, and it's it's subtly through dreams it's subtly trying to get you to remember so, um, so right I, I remember re yeah. reading the, the Montauk books which was back in the uh, 70s and 80s and they kept trying to do this wiping out of the mind and uh, no matter what they did it's like the soul remembers and it, it just keeps working on it and eventually the bleed through happens. And so um, that's a real problem for them. They can't uh, keep it blocked forever. I just wanted to say real quick, uh, Dr. Lesson, are you there now? Uh, yeah, with this, when I just tuned into this, this story, one of the astronauts, um, you know, who was programmed and we, and, and, uh, you know, he just gave the standard stuff. Uh, but then he started painting, and at first he painted the moon, you know, we know all the dull colors that NASA told him to paint, but they started painting all these brilliant colors all over the moon, and then he remembered uh, there was actually light hitting all the glass-like domes all over the moon and, and, and making prism effects, and, you know, that was, since they were trying to hide the fact that there was uh, all these domes on, on the moon, they that's what they tried to suppress, but the painter, unconscious, kept coming back to what he had really seen. Wow. So just to yeah. catch you up, honey, I know you're, you're late getting here, is that uh, Kevin has been in the underground bases. He first was taken up to the Arctic. Uh, so he was recounting how he had an experience with about 16 men and women in their late teens and early 20s. And a woman named KJ Scoops uh, was missing the next day. And uh, Dave Morrow. So, uh, you know, Kevin, someday I'd love to do shows maybe with, I do something with all of these people coming in because the, this correlation of information with various people is what really, you know, accounts, it, it qualifies as evidence, you know, all these witnesses to the same thing. So, um, what was her name? Uh, KJ remembered what happened to her when they took her. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, what, what happened was uh, she was, um, she was being uh, combative. Sorry, sorry, ignore. Sorry, someone's calling me. Uh, anyway, so she was being yeah. combative. She was um, she was trying to tell people like, we got to remember this. We got to remember this. So um, they removed her. They removed Dave, and they removed another person. The uh, the three that were missing. And uh, what KJ was able to tell me, because I always wondered what happened to that girl, like that I was talking to, uh -huh. that you know disappeared the next day. And so she was able to give me some closure on that because I, I assumed the worst at the time. Like I thought that maybe they had killed them or something. And uh, she said, uh -huh. no, what, what happened was they put her in a, in a cell uh, for two months, like solitary confinement for two months as punishment. And then they um, transferred her to a, an, an entirely different program 
um, quite possibly with the ICC, um, and she was trained as a, a pilot uh, for um, a shuttle a shuttlecraft, I, I believe. And uh, so they basically just um, isolated her and uh, then transferred her to a different program so that um, she couldn't interact with the people that she was, um, I guess, from their perspective, being a bad influence around, you know, saying, like, we got to remember this, we got to remember this. And because uh, uh, you, you are in, like, um, like a zombie-like state, uh, and so everyone's kind of entranced, and um, I guess she was um, very, very resistant uh, to the trance and was trying to get people to kind of, like, snap out of it, you know what I mean, and say, like, like we gotta right. remember, we gotta remember what's happening to us. So yeah, they isolated her, they removed her. Uh, I was happy to find out that um, she wasn't killed. Um, she just got transferred somewhere else and uh, has since come back. So she's she's okay. And um, and yeah, uh, at, at some point it'd be really neat to uh, do a roundtable with uh, KJ and Anthony. Um, her and I and Anthony, we did do a little roundtable just ourselves. Um, and uh, I threw it up on, uh, I quickly made uh, just a, a YouTube channel with my first and last name and just to throw it up there. And uh, that was awesome because, yeah, the three of us uh, were having uh, recalls with uh, each other. And uh, it, it is neat to, to watch people piece things together um, and, uh, and uh, you know, try to uh, connect all the dots. Uh, because, well, we'll um, do that for sure. Yeah, Yeah, because uh, uh, we'll while I'm on it. the topic of KJ uh, and, and, and Anthony, uh -huh. uh, Anthony, uh, now he's like, um, he, uh, he was recruited by Kruger, um, that's one of the ICC groups, uh, to be a runner and a, a, and a super soldier. Uh, he's an ex-Marine and MMA fighter, and he's like a, an actual super soldier type. Um, I'm, I, I was never a soldier, um, but Anthony, he was, um, he was definitely um, a soldier type, and uh, something uh, significant happened this December, actually. Um, I didn't recall Anthony from my SSP term. Um, we just connected after um, uh, he, uh, he saw my interview. Uh, he just wanted to reach out to me, and just uh, and then he actually sent me um, some documents going over the various roles within the SSP to try to jog my memory. So we were in communication, wow. um, and then we... Uh, uh, we had this a is little... Anthony Rodriguez, right? Uh, sorry, Anthony Zender. Anthony Zender. Oh, Anthony Zender. Okay, and then, then it's Tony Rodriguez, right? You know Tony? Uh, yeah, I got. Uh, yeah, that's sorry. That's another story. I'm I'm jumping around here a little bit, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk okay. about Tony in a minute. Um, I got to meet him in person in June, um, which was really cool. And um, and yeah, wow. he kind of mentored me a little bit uh, in terms of like coming up with the timeline. Uh, but. Um, uh, but since I'm on the topic of KJ and, and Anthony, I'll just uh, finish Anthony what I was saying Zender. about Anthony. Okay. Yeah, Anthony Zender. Okay, um, uh, something happened where uh, after we did this roundtable um, uh, in October, um, I had uh, an abduction experience uh, where, uh, and it was like immediately after. So we did this roundtable, uh, and then I go to bed, and um, I had this abduction experience where um, this black SUV pulls up on my street and I'm standing outside on the street and uh, there's uh, three guys in the car. And, um, and so they tell me to get in, I get in and uh, uh, the one guy says, um, give them the venom. It'll help them to remember. And the, and the one guy grabbed my head and, and I was injected in the back of the neck with, with what they called the venom. Um, but it was like reverse speech or something because it didn't help me remember. It actually helped me to forget because uh, after that abduction experience in October, I haven't had any more new recalls. I mean, I still have um, the, 
the, the recurring dreams uh, of my original timeline that I talked about with Denny in the first interview, I'll, um, I'll have those as recurring dreams, which is still helpful because um, I'm very lucid during that. And uh, it's like basically it's like watching an old rerun of a show. I just kind of mm-hmm. rewatch what the memory and I'm able to pull a little bit more detail each time from it. But I haven't had any uh, new recalls since October, since that abduction experience. And then um, but then something happened on December 5th uh, of of uh, 2017, uh, about two months after that experience. Um, and this is a, a, a shared recall I have with Anthony. And this is um, this is totally outside of the uh, the SSP term that I was involved with. Uh, involved with. This was a, a live mm-hmm. operation that occurred uh, in December. Um, uh, I basically what happened was uh, I was uh, I was sitting around this conference table and there's a bunch of people talking. But uh, there's no audio. It was muted. Um, so they somehow deleted the audio from my memory. But I just everyone's talking, and then Anthony is actually on um, like a like a a video call. He's on a projector screen, and his um so his just like a business meeting nowadays. You know, people will some uh-huh. people will be on Skype like a video call, and will attend the meeting uh, through Skype. So it was like that, and then the 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 the, the memory jumps ahead, and. It's me and Anthony, and we're flying in the TR3, and we're strapped in, and he's beside me, and um, we're remote viewing a submarine um, that's directly below us, um, except it can't see us. We're cloaked, and the submarine is cruising on the top of the water. It hadn't dove down yet. It was just cruising on the top of the water. It was a black submarine, and uh, and uh, we were remote viewing it through the floor of the TR3, and they were um, they were having us track this submarine. So when I woke up from from that uh, uh, that recall, I messaged Anthony, and he's like, "Oh my God!" He's like, "I just had the same recall. You were there. You were at the meeting. Uh, you were. Uh, I was on the TR three, and I remember you being there." And so it just kind of dovetailed perfectly that um, sure enough, we had the same recall um, that night. But he feels that was um, that was a live operation that that actually happened um, uh, on that night. And uh, uh, they'll do that. Um, like when I was talking to Elena about it, she said that, you know, you'll do your SSP term, uh, like a 20 and back, but then even when they put you back once in a while, they will pick you up and use you for like a particular mission. Um, so they'll, they might grab you for like one night, they'll use you for the night and then they'll put you back. Um, and that's, um, that's outside of the, the, the 20 and back. Uh, so, wow. so that was, yeah, that well, was my you, recall. Thing. You're young. Did you have a 20 and back or, and they returned you and regressed your age or what was and going did on you? And you? <laughs> no, you did you get paid? No, you don't get paid. Did I get paid? No, no, uh, no, I definitely didn't get paid. Um, but, and, and in terms of the 20 and back, uh, uh, I mean, I remember bits and pieces and, um, and I know um, I was. They they took me for a while, and they blank slated me and put and uh, put me back. I don't know if it was exactly twenty years. It could have been uh, like some people talk about a 10, 10 year term. Uh, some people do a twenty uh-huh. year. Uh, Elena has uh, has done three twenty and back, so she's um, done sixty years in the program. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if I actually did a twenty and back. It could have been a ten and back or a forty and back for all all I know. But that's just kind of like the term. In the experiencer community, um, the twenty and back seems to be like the, you know, like the classic um, 
uh, amount of time for them to get like their, yeah. their full money's worth out of someone. They they want them usually for at least twenty years. And um, but at the same time, uh, people sometimes drop out of the program. Uh, like so, you could be eight years in or or ten years in, and uh, for some reason um, you have some kind of breakdown or you get injured or something happens where um, your your um, your whole uh, unit or your team they they end up scrapping that program. And they might just uh, put you back because uh, it didn't pan out. Whatever you were involved in, and that that particular project ended. So it's it's again, it's really hard to figure out exactly how long you've been gone when they when they're using time travel technology and blank slating you on top of that. It's uh, it's pretty hard to to figure out exactly how long you've been away. Um, I I under I totally understand. I I find myself working in offices doing clerical things on different worlds uh and then i find myself in front of like it's like i do these menial things and then i go and i'm like in charge of something uh or i mean a, a very important united nations type meeting with all the different species that you can imagine so it, I, i'm just trying to make sense of it too i probably should do some more regressions my husband's a, a hypnotherapist <laughs> maybe we can set up and uh, do some regressions with each other and uh you know, we'll, we'll do some with you guys and see if we get more details because this is a, a, a fascinating phenomenon and I think it's pretty widespread. And these people, like Sasha joked, well, you're not getting paid, but everybody's being used for their labor. You get no retirement, no compensation. You can be injured. I talked to a fellow in the UK. He got severely injured and it affected his body, not just his uh, whatever, however they were taking him. So, okay, but go ahead, continue with your story. Do you have any questions, Sash? While we're kind of paused right uh, here for a moment. I find it really interesting to, to get several people who have interacted uh, in the programs and have them go down together into a hypnotic uh, uh, space where they start filling in each other's stories uh, and they re help each other remember details. And it's it's really useful, you know, like get Randy Kramer and... Uh, uh, Tony uh, Rodriguez and uh, some of those uh, other people that have been in the programs and, and have them go deep together and just listen to what they come up with. It'll be really useful. Yeah, well, totally. Kevin that'd has, be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Kevin mentions Denny Hunt, Tony Rodriguez, Elena, the Star Traveler, Ileana, uh, Anthony Zender, Cage, Jay Scoops. I mean, uh, maybe you could send me an email with the letter of all the people that you've uh, connected, and we can do these different roundtables with the. And, oh, um, yeah. So I, I'm just looking on your description, and you mentioned a couple people during yeah. the show already. Yeah, so I'll how do that. many I'll people have you, you been I'll involved you with? Yeah, I can send you an email. Thank you. Um, yeah. Kind of going over um, the role that everyone kind of played in my recall. Um, because it uh -huh. is it is confusing when uh, you know with all the names. Uh, so I was kind of jumping around there, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll do a little bio, I guess, for each person, so you know which one I actually have shared recalls with, and 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 then other people who just um, after they watched my interview were willing to just talk with me and and uh, help fill in the blanks. Like like Tony and I, we don't have. Uh, he was in a totally different program. We we have no memory of each other. He just kind of mentored me and helped me develop a timeline. So I didn't serve with Tony. Um, but um, I, I did uh, I did serve with Elena, uh, Anthony, KJ, 
and uh, a couple other people that haven't uh, haven't come forward yet. I'm also working behind the scenes with some people that um, like doing exact like paying it forward exactly what Tony did for me. I'm working with some other people who are thinking about coming forward, but it, it's a big step. You have to uh, uh, come up with your timeline, right. and uh, you know once you cross the Rubicon um, with this stuff. Um, and you put you put yourself your name and your face out there. Um, there there's social consequences because um, you know this is anecdotal evidence. Uh, even if you have two or three people that ha- have a shared memory, um, it's technically still anecdotal evidence, and um, you are putting your reputation on the line because this is technically um, conspiracy tinfoil hat area. Um, but. Uh, but more and more people are remembering being used in the program. Um, over uh, like basically since uh, the end of World War II, um, uh, there's been a secret space program. So there's quite a few different generations of people that have been used in the program, and it's probably not. It's it, literally millions of people worldwide have been used in the program, not just thousands, millions of people. Um, but only a small percentage of those people um, actually remember um, what happened to them. A lot of people. The blank slating works um, perfect, and they have no idea that they were actually used in the program. And they might get the odd nightmare, but they can't really make heads or tails of it. Um, but uh, luckily for me, I think I remember quite a bit. I'm still pretty young. Apparently, the bleed through uh, tends to happen when you get into your 30s, and um, I'm, I'm only 29, so I'm actually remembering a little earlier than than um, some other people have. But um, wow. but yeah, just to uh, just to continue. Um, uh, because uh, it's funny that uh, Sasha, uh, you, you uh, mentioned the domes on the moon. Uh, what I, I remember uh, f- uh, flying to the the Lunar Operations Command uh, base. It was uh, a dome, uh, a camouflage dome inside a crater. Um, so it just looked like this gray dome on the outside, blended in with the moon's uh, surface. Um, but then the dome opened up. The TR three lowered inside of this like hangar area, and then when the dome closed. You could see out of it, so like you could like like it was glass, so you could see out, but you couldn't see in from above. It just blended in with the uh, the surface of the moon, and um, uh, so that's I remember uh, uh, flying uh, uh, in, into the base, and um, something that trips me out is because. Uh, when you're strapped in, um, you're facing each other, so you have to you know enter in like yeah like a roller coaster seat, and so. Uh, when I would turn my head, which was uncomfortable to do, but if you turn your head, you can see the two pilots, and they have the the, the view screens, and so you can sometimes get a little bit of a glimpse of of what they're doing. But um, they do position you so that you're not facing the same way as the pilots. So you can't really see out because um, it would be really uncomfortable to like have your head turn, like you know, like talking to someone when you're on a roller coaster ride. Um, so, but I, I was able to catch a glimpse of of uh, the dome opening and up and us lowering down into it and then um, I remember they showed us off the craft and uh, they lined us up in this corridor and uh, there's quite a few people there and um, uh, everyone was just standing at ease uh, staring at the wall just waiting for orientation and um, I do have some memories uh, at, at the uh, at the moon base uh, before they sent us to Mars uh, it was just um, it was like orientation. It was like a classroom setting with a regular projector screen, and they were teaching us um, about the densities. Uh, they were teaching us about the different uh, xenotypes of different um, ET beings we might encounter. Um, uh, there's 24 roles within the SSP uh, that uh, uh, Anthony sent me that document that goes over that. Um, my role was an empath, uh, so I wasn't a soldier. I wasn't a pilot. I wasn't um, uh, an engineer or um, a technician. 
my uh, my role was empath, but more like ET interface. Because what they would do is they would just put me into rooms. Um, like later on after my training, they just put me in rooms with um, various ETs that uh, they were either working with or had captured, and um, I was forced to interface with it telepathically. And uh, those are probably my most unpleasant memories because some of these beings um, were quite nasty and not the kind of beings you'd want to be trapped in a room with. Um, but uh, wow. yeah, did, yeah. So, did any of them hurt you? Not uh, not physically, but just the amount of terror I felt. Like uh, on Mars, they um, uh, I was in this. Uh, they put me in this room. It looked like a like a regular break room that you'd see at a workplace. It had um, four ta- uh, round tables set up, a little uh, kitchenette like counter with a sink, and it just looked like a regular break room that you'd see at a workplace. And they said um, they said that um, the, the individual will be with you shortly. That you're meaningless. I'm like okay, and to my great um, surprise! A a raptor walked into the room, and it, like like exactly what you see in Jurassic Park, uh, except its arms were a little longer. It had um, it had um, more like hands, like biposable thumb hands, and uh, its mm-hmm. eyes were larger and very uh, actually very uh, very uh, human looking almost. The eyes were very large, but um, it uh, it had a soul. It was intelligent. Um, it wasn't just like um, like uh, like what's depicted in like Jurassic Park with it being like um, just a dinosaur that's in, uh, that's a right. uh, a killing machine. This thing was actually more intelligent than I than I am, <laughs> and uh, it was it was uh, it was a person. They called it you know an, an individual, and it was. And it it came in, and um, instinctively I um, jumped up onto the counter <laughs> just so that uh, I would be, uh, even though that's not going to do anything. It was funny in that moment, instinctively, I jumped up onto the counter and I'm sitting on the edge of the counter because I just wanted to be um, a little higher up uh, than it because uh, it was um, at least six foot, if not seven feet tall. So, and I'm six three. So I jumped up onto the counter. So I, so I was just a little higher than it. And it walked up to me and I said telepathically, please don't hurt me. And then it, it replied, it's okay, and then that's right where the memory ends. Uh, so it was, oh, uh, well, it was a, it was a fourth density consciousness, um, in, uh, for sure. It yeah. was a physical being, uh, te- fully telepathic, um, probably much more evolved than, than we are. Um, it, but uh, when when you see something that looks like a dinosaur walk into a room, um, <laughs> that the instinct was just jump up on the counter, put my you know put my back up against the wall, and. Uh, it's it's just interesting how like uh, your survival mode kicks in and even right. it might seem, might seem silly that jumping up on a counter is gonna pro- is, is gonna protect you from a raptor but that's what I did and um, but it, it it calmed me down let, it said let me oh, it's fill okay. in let me fill in a, a blank for you and Sasha knows about this too we've interviewed Joanne Richards a number of times and her husband Mark Richards is in jail for life but he was in the secret space program in the military and the raptors are our allies. And they often fight against other races, other forces that are, you know, trying to uh, take over humanity. And uh, so um, they're very intelligent, just like you said. Uh, they're they're people, they're persons. And there's a whole faction that uh, work with humanity, and, and they really care about us. So um, did what? Do you remember anything about the conversation? What was accomplished? You met him? Did you? 
I think it was just so, uh, even though it said it was like, even though it assured me telepathically, like, it's okay, I'm not going to hurt you. I think that the terror I felt in that moment, um, my memory just goes blank after that moment. That's probably when he, when uh, he actually entrained me and, um, and probably um, uh, wiped my memory after the entrainment because I can't remember anything more than that. Uh, But yeah, that was, that was scary. Um, Another one, um, this is all when I was loaned out to the ICC. Um, another one, um, this one was, uh, um, definitely, uh, like an underground, uh, it was definitely underground. It was this, um, uh, chamber, but like, uh, different than the, the, the break room with the Raptor, like the break room with the Raptor, it looked almost like in a regular building. This, this other recall I have is it's like, um, an underground chamber, uh, very ancient looking. And they set up this little table with two chairs in this chamber and, um, and I'm sitting at the table, and then um, uh, the door opens up, and um, like a stone door that just slid, and then a long-nosed gray walked in, and uh, that's probably the scariest recall I have. This this entity was absolutely horrible. Um, it it, um, it it looked like a gray, except it had a long nose, and um, it, it it comes walking in, sits down at the table. And I actually do remember a little bit about that interaction. It was it was fully telepathic uh, using the entrainment. They just basically give you a massive download of information. Um, the sensation is that they lock in on your eyes, and you can't you can't really like look away from them. They pull you like into their eyes, and you just start getting um, information. And uh, it was talking about um, how Earth is a genetic farm, and we're just beasts on a farm. And it can and and from its perspective, we were basically livestock and uh that's just um a part of the download i i remember it giving me wow so what were you supposed to do with that type of information uh, well i i know that they, to somebody else yeah I, I, it's like a they 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 put these uh these impasse because uh, not everyone can um do the entrainment uh, you have to be very very empathic uh i am an infj in terms of the meyer briggs uh, personality test uh, that's uh uh, introverted, intuitive, uh, feeling type person. Uh, only 2% of the male population is, um, an INFJ. And, uh, th- so they tend to use INFJs as empaths. And, uh, basically we're just very uh, intuitive and receptive and, um, we're able, even though we're, uh, you know, third density consciousness, we're still able to interface with like a, a fourth density being, which is fully telepathic. And, um, and, uh, yeah. So what they do is when they put you in the room, um, you basically you interface with it uh, because a lot of these beings don't have a spoken language, so they give you this um, massive download, and then afterwards um, you put it into words for your commanding officer. You do a, a debriefing and you and you relay the information that came through. At, uh, because not everyone can actually talk to these beings. Uh, there's many, many roles within the SSP, like uh, everything from you know doctors to engineers, to scientists, soldiers. Uh, but not uh, not everyone actually um, interfaces or or communicates with uh, the ETs that that um, uh, are, are doing this joint effort thing with the Human Secret Space Program. Um, though uh, usually it's the the impasse that. They will put in a room with a being, and um, like I like I described, you'll receive a download, and then you have to convey that information to the higher ups. Um, and uh, yeah, because not everyone um, not everyone is equipped to actually uh, 
uh, talk with them, um, communicate with them. Like, like if you're a soldier type, um, then they they typically uh, you know don't want to stick a soldier uh, in a room with like a gray because the soldier has been trained to fight and kill and defend. You know what I mean? Like defend themselves. Right. And um, that might not be the best person to be um, like a diplomat um, because they're trained to fight. And uh, once the fear sets in, a soldier would probably choose fight instead of flight, right? And that would not be a good interaction. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's great. So you, you have a very important role. So they probably won't ever really let you go. They'll probably use you as long as they can. Yeah, that's something that came through with my higher self-channeling session with Carl. Um, I asked I asked him um, if they were done with me, if I had fulfilled my term and, and if they were done with me. And what came through was uh, once in the program, always in the program. And uh, sure enough, um, they picked me up in, 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 a, in December at least. And they, they used me outside of my SSP term for, for a, a live operation, remote viewing that submarine with Anthony. Uh, so yeah, they can pretty much just grab you whenever they want, um, use you, and then put you back. And sometimes you remember, and sometimes you don't. So, yeah. Well, I'm 64, and I still have missions to do. So, but um, I've learned to really enjoy them and appreciate them. And uh, it's like if you meet them more as equals, they'll return and they'll treat you more like equals. But it took me a long time. Because when you're younger, you tend to go like in victim and fight or flight and terror. And, and Whitley Stryver talks about that as, that as well. Over, over time, as you mature and you get more comfortable, then, you know, they, they treat you differently. So I, I get treated like royalty now. Like uh, they're very grateful that I'm back and I work with them and that type of thing. So it, it can improve. But yeah, I, I yeah. think I would feel sad if I didn't get contact. <laughs> it's like I get so excited. Oh, good, I had contact again. You know, I did this and I did that. So I, I really enjoy it now. Something you may too. Uh, well, well, one one good thing, one good experience that came out of all this. Um, I, I talked about this a little bit last time with you. Was um, when uh-huh. I, was when um, uh, during training something uh, an accident happened, and I'm not sure if. Uh, if our craft got shot down or if, a, if an underground base was attacked, uh, the accident was, was bad enough that um, I don't remember actually what happened. I just remember waking up um, in the, uh, what I call the Pliaran sick bay, uh, surrounded by Pleiadians. Um, and they, uh, they uh, nursed me and, and, um, and the other people uh, in my unit uh, back to health. And they treated us like royalty. And it was an absolute beautiful contact experience being with, um, uh, the Pliaran group and um, actually um, being shown around um, uh, their craft, which was massive. It was like a space station. And then being shown to the, uh, the greenhouse they had, the interactive greenhouse in the center of the craft. And, um, and, uh, and they wanted me to climb this tree uh, as I was getting my strength back. And this Pli- uh, Pliaran man helped me up uh, this tree and we're climbing the tree. And then I looked, I look, uh, uh, look over and uh, this uh, beautiful gleaming silver disc the classic disc craft um uh just comes hovering up like right beside the tree and i was like i was so close to it i could almost touch it and and um, that, that was a beautiful experience so you know if i hadn't been um like abducted into the ssp program i i wouldn't have gotten into that accident i would have wouldn't have been rescued by the pliarans and and have that like wonderful contact experience so so that 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 was really that was really amazing 
So, so there's some disturbing things, like we're just a bunch of uh, farm animals <laughs> from the greys with the big nose, and then the other species uh, treat us with dignity. What's your overall opinion on that, since you've uh, worked all these different things and you've talked to other people? What's really going on? Are uh, farm animals or... I think it's... Well, like, there's this belief system, this ET belief system, um, because you have the, the genetic farmer races that came in, and uh, like, like the Anunnaki, and they, uh, the ones that um, tinkered with um, Homo erectus, and, uh, and they uh, basically created the primitive worker, Homo sapien. And, um, but you see, those, those are ET interlopers that interfered with our natural evolution, so they imposed that onto us, that slavery system, um, you know, uh, they, uh, they tinkered with our DNA, they messed with our society, um, most notably the Babylonian money magic system that we all live under, and then also um, tinkering with our DNA um, to make us into uh, slaves. But that's not who we really are, and the, uh, the benevolent Ichi races recognize us for what we were and what we um, are still destined to become, which is um, when Homo erectus, um, that, was the, that was the sacred ape DNA. Uh, we were destined, um, I believe, uh, to evolve um, from Homo erectus into Homo illuminus, and we were never really meant to become what we are now, which is um, Homo sapien, which is um, we're kind of a compromised um, species at this point because of the genetic manipulation. But I think there's hope for us because um, we come from the sacred primate DNA, and if you um, research the, the legend of the Monkey King, um, uh, it's an ancient Chinese legend uh, about uh, uh, it, it, what it describes is how the monkey king is like we are we're all the monkey king every every person on this planet uh, is 98% sacred um, apis man and that's the uh, sacred uh, ape DNA so we're all the divine monkey king and um, what's cool is the uh, I guess uh, being warm-blooded mammalian primates um, we feel very deeply and um, we also, um, being warm-blooded mammalians, we not only can uh, channel an intense amount of energy, our energy potential is, is absolutely amazing, but um, being warm-blooded, um, we feel good taking care of things. Um, that's why we have pets. Um, that's why we um, still have, uh, we're still in family units raising our children. No matter how bad the world is, everyone, you know, is... is um, is living still uh, in family units, and uh, that has to do again with being a warm-blooded, um, compassionate creature. So, uh, I think that if you're able to um, uh, basically de detox and um, kind of uh, heal your DNA, you can actually get back onto the organic ascension timeline uh, and uh, basically step back into that timeline where. Um, we're supposed to go from Homo erectus to Homo uh, illuminus, a fourth density um, sacred primate being with that uh, has, um, it, you know, is warm blooded, has a, a heart chakra, and uh, is able to actually uh, govern oneself uh, more from the, the heart opposed to the, um, you know, the the R complex, which uh, is, the, you know, the predator um, gave us their mind, right? So that's why we have that. Uh, that uh, reptilian DNA in us now, which makes, which has kind of compromised us a little bit, but, uh, but that's an imposed belief system they put on us to make us slaves. We were originally uh, divine creatures that um, got uh, compromised. Well, I've, I've been tracking that story and I have a couple of things I want to say in that. Uh, 
first of all, there's a, there's a, a report that we got that the reptilian DNA was added because there are species that are, are extremely violent and they just come in and destroy whole planets and ecosystems and take all the resources, the minerals, and they just uh, leave uh, charred cinders. So uh, I guess they were the basis of the, um, what do you call it, the... Um, the Klingons, you know, they kind of just uh, don't care about anybody or anything, and they just come and destroy. So there was some kind of agreement that was made where the reptilian DNA was, um, you know, put over into the uh, humanoid form in order to create these soldiers. And that's why we have, you know, these super soldiers and secret space program, because these people know how to kill. Humans know how to kill. So that's one story. The other story is that... Um, the Anunnaki were in danger of going extinct, and so the uh, higher dimensional being, uh, I call them the Galzu, they were probably, you know, pretty high up there, and they had the total awareness of the uh, total story and the continuum, and they allowed this intervention to create uh, Homo sapiens sapiens so that the the Anunnaki thread of consciousness would not uh, disappear completely, and so they needed to have a hybrid species in order to uh, exist and, and so in some way we're here and it's all in divine plan but uh, yeah we are a slave species but we we do have the ability like you do and others do of waking up remembering becoming conscious and moving into homo illuminus anyway that's what I just like to interject uh, Sasha would you like to ask any questions or interject anything oh uh, yeah I, I, I sure would. what I you know what I keep uh, wondering about uh, Kevin is you know well, first I want to know about your commanders and and or who was in charge and how they treated you. And then in the unit, did you have uh, particular buddies? Did you have roommates? Did people pair off and have uh, lovers? I mean, how did you live? Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, the um, yeah the command structure. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, what I remember is uh, you're always like you were never by yourself uh, unless you were put in a room with an ET. But again not by yourself because you're with the T, but in terms of living, um, it was, it was shared. It was like a shared barrack situation. You would have uh, groups of like uh, 15, 20 people in like um, in a room and that was your unit. And sometimes people yeah. would drop out or would be transferred to a different program. So um, oftentimes um, you'd like, you'd wake up and you know, like three people are missing and then they'd add like another person in. Um, so there was, there was a lot of shuffling around. It's not like your, your unit, from day one uh, at the end of the term was the same people you were with. You got shuffled around quite a bit based on uh, your, uh, your, the various training programs they put you through. Uh, for me, um, I'm an O positive and um, I was able to figure out that um, they were testing the O positive um, blood type against the rhesus negative because the rhesus negative uh, absorbs a lot more oxygen more quickly into the body and they're very explosive. They make um, awesome uh, soldiers, uh, like Anthony Zender, his um, a rhesus negative, so he hits hard and fast. Um, but their endurance, um, because they absorb a, a ton of oxygen really quickly, they're like a scorpion. They sting, 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 and then they need to recover. Um, so um, being an O-positive, um, O-positive people, they have a much higher level of endurance, but we're not explosive. We're not like a hard-hitting, um, explosive type of person. So they were already heavily invested in rhesus negative, using them for super soldiers. Um, and I guess uh, part of my program was uh, kind of a redundancy thing. They were just testing the, um, the O-positives to see how they would fare against rhesus negative. So um, in terms of the command structure, I remember getting paired up with different instructors like Elena, and they would um, do these uh, like endurance contests. Um, 
the like the recall of the Lena is they had us all jump into a pool of water. Except once you jumped in, the pool was deep enough that you couldn't climb out of it. Uh, so you're just treading water with no way of uh, getting out of this pool unless they were to throw a line down to fish you out. So you're basically um, in survival mode at that point because you know you have to tread water or you're going to drown. And um, they were testing uh, us to see uh, if the rhesus uh, positives would last longer against the rhesus negatives in that kind of survival situation. Uh, so... Um, uh, I, in terms of like the command structure, I just I remember like different instructors, and the instructor was in charge of you, just like in school. Like that was your teacher for the day, or for however long you're with that person, and they're in charge of your group. And it was very much like school. Uh, and um, and then I also um, remember uh, after interfacing with the beings, um, uh, being debriefed by uh, um, I, I just call it a higher up, uh, some kind of commander. Uh, they were the commanders uh, seemed to be in their 40s and 50s and even older, like uh, in their 60s. And um, when I was talking to another experiencer, Will Glover, uh, he he was saying Hold that. Hold that thought. Sure. Hold that thought. We'll be back in five. We have to take a commercial break. We'll see you in five minutes. were not quite right that everything was just ever so slightly askew do you have to paraphrase morpheus this splinter in your mind if you're interested in hearing the latest information about ufos the paranormal ancient cultures and structures monatomic elements longevity fantastic discoveries in science download it to your brain then tune into us hi i'm dave and i'm mackie and we are Shiny Side Out, Sundays, 2 to 4 a.m. Eastern. See you then. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Join me weekdays for my new show, Tell Chris Joe. It's going to be a problem show brought to you live from Kensington. Thursdays, I'm dealing with hot topics, heated debate, what's new around the world, and ring-ins to discuss listeners' problems and offering considered and heartfelt solutions. So join me, Chris Hart, for Tell Chris Joe. Stop what you're doing, grab a cup of tea, and coming live from Kensington. Relax, let me entertain you with a coffee bar online. Listeners, very personal problems. So that's Thursdays, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. See you there. It's going to be lots of fun. Is your data safe? 
you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation. Is survival and gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. Over 3 gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a mega virus or computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter, are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had, you have it, I want it back. Is your personal data safe? Family records? Addresses? phone numbers we'll squeeze on over to freedomslips.com yes that's www.freedomslips.com click the banner on the homepage for the emp proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer so folks keep your data safe for your peace of mind revolution radio freedomslips.com you don't need to expect us we're already here looking for a nightcap to fill your listening needs Come join us on Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, right here on Revolution Radio. Monday through Friday for three hours a night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, we will take you down the supernatural path. From ET contact to the paranormal and all of the spiritual, cryptid, and conspiracy stories in between, you can just right here on Revolution Radio at spacedoutradio.com, on Twitter at spacedoutradio, and on Facebook at spacedoutradio show. Spaced Out Radio. It's a night of talk and interaction. Are you experienced? The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. And aloha, and we are back. This is Stargate and Cosmos on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. And I'm Danica Lesson, your host with <laughs> Sasha Lesson. What's going on? We're on live, buddy. Go get on. My computer turned itself off. Okay, um, Matt, uh, go reboot your computer. You'll have to pull Sasha back on his computer. I guess uh, went down for a reason, so uh, we'll get him back on. Our producer is Thomas Becker, and our guest is Kevin Trimmel. So while we're getting Sasha Dr. Lesson back on, I'd like to remind everybody to go over to the donation button on revolution.radio and make your donation this week, 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever you donate, 100, would be greatly appreciated. And a mad painter, um, what's going on with our, where are we in the count? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not in that on that page at the moment. <laughs> okay, that's okay then. Alrighty. So I guess as soon as you see uh, Sasha come back on, I'll try to pull him in. And um, so Kevin, we were 
talking about how you were debriefed by the commander and they could be they seem to be older in their 40s 50s or 60s uh yeah yeah so um this is something um I was talking about with uh, Will Glover. Um, he's another uh, SSP experiencer that came forward on uh, Denny Hunt's uh, Why Is This True YouTube channel. And uh, him and I did a roundtable with Tony Rodriguez. And uh, Will was able to fill in some of the blanks for me as well. Uh, because what, what, he was, uh, what he mentioned to me was that uh, uh, when you're used for your first term, uh, you know, you're, you're doing training, orientation. You're like a cadet. And... Um, and uh, slowly you become like a junior officer uh, by the end of that term. Uh, typically, um, you do a couple terms. Um, Will, uh, he's, he's been able to remember two 20 and backs. And what he was saying was that uh, in his second 20 and back, um, he found himself in a, in a leadership role. And um, uh, I believe he's in his uh, late 30s now. And, uh, and he found that... Um, when he came back a second time, uh, yeah, he was in more of a leadership role, and uh, he uh, was even um, uh, he was even involved in training others. So, uh, so when you're debriefed, um, you're you're debriefed by uh, basically SSP veterans, uh, people that have already done a twenty and back, and they're on to their second twenty back or, or third twenty and back, as the case may be. Uh, so, at the very end of my first term, I do remember uh, my debriefing. And um, I feel like this was actually on Earth, uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe, up in the mountains. Uh, it could be the Caucasus Mountains. It looked um, it, it, like, well, well, if you're a remote viewer, uh, you'll know what I mean by it. It felt like um, it was in Russia or Eastern Europe somewhere. And uh, it was like this hotel uh, with windows on either side, this, this banquet room, windows on each side. You could see the mountains on either side. And there was a gentleman sitting there, and he looked like... He was about 50, 55 years old. He was bald with glasses. And uh, he was there to debrief me. And he had a set of questions. He uh, asked me that, and I knew I had to answer correctly or they wouldn't uh, put me back. Uh, but um, what was uh, interesting was this uh, this debriefing was fully telepathic. So um, he just like the ETs do, he locks eyes with me and he is... Um, reaching into my mind and basically scanning my memories, asking me um, some questions telepathically. Uh, and uh, we got to the part in my uh, uh, recall where uh, I, I was starting to remember the, um, when the Pliarans had rescued us and actually seeing the silver disc. And um, I considered this um, person that debriefed me to be a white hat because he said to me telepathically, don't 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 mention that. Don't say that. Don't. You just said don't. Literally, just that. Just don't. So I stopped. Wow. I stopped like in my tracks. I just stopped having that memory that um, I was passing on to him about the Pliarans rescuing us and, and and putting us back because he knew that um, if the, um, the 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 upper echelon, the like the really high up people, if they found out that I had interaction with the Pliarans, and um, I was that close to one of those discs, um, they probably wouldn't put me back, or they would have interrogated me um, intensely to find out every last detail of what their craft looked like on the inside, what the beings, you know, um, wow. looked like, um, because they, um, they're they obsessed with, like, the, the, the true um, uh, 
uh, beam ships, those silver discs. They're obsessed with reverse engineering them. They've gotten bits and pieces of crashed discs, and as we know, and they've reverse engineered, and they've created the um, alien reproduction vehicles, but they've never gotten their hands on an actual intact, uh, you know, Pliaran beam ship. And uh, because I got that close to one and I had interacted with them, um, uh, they, they probably would have... Um, uh, interrogated me and, and basically held held me hostage until they got every scrap of information out of me. So this white hat, uh, I think he literally saved my life in the end and just said, don't, don't, he's like, don't even, like, you know, don't go there. Uh, so um, I consider that um, probably like a mid-level um, command, like commander. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he probably... So um, was he yeah. definitely human? He wasn't someone that was shape-shifting. He was a human with the full abilities to... Uh, telepathically connect and download just like extraterrestrials? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was human. He was human. Um, he was most uh-huh. likely uh, another um, ET uh, interface and empath, but, um, you know, um, uh, but had become like a senior officer at that point. Uh, he, he could have been on his third 20 and back and it was responsible for debriefing people. And uh, I would say he's about 55 years old, I'm, I'm guessing, but he's an older gentleman. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, he, uh, yeah, so that I, I consider him um, like a senior officer uh, that the, the true, you know, the true um, uh, comma- uh, commanders, if you want to call them that, the, the people who are actually in charge of these programs, um, you never see them. They're they're uh, they're the shadowy elite that uh, are pulling the strings, you know, behind the scenes and, and they have the money and right. they're, the, they're the one they're the, the inner circle. There's like 200 nobility families worldwide that um and uh, that uh, are financing various secret space programs, including the ICC, uh, Solar Warden, uh, Dark Fleet, uh, Nockwaffen. So, um, but in terms of tracing uh, back the money, back uh, the money it, it all goes back to these uh, nobility to families nobility worldwide, not just European worldwide, nobility just families, European but Asian, families, uh, uh, African, Middle uh, Eastern African nobility, nobility families, families that have um, that, that are the old um, money, and they uh, and they're actually they, financing. Uh, they're actually financing. Secret uh, programs. Uh, programs. Okay, so I, I want to get my head around that. I, we're having trouble getting Sasha on, so he's just going to stand here and be. Uh, we're, we took the um, headphone off. And the, is, is the sound okay, um, Thomas? Can you now hear us you okay? Are echoing. Now you are echoing. You're speaking. Echoing. Up too loud. You're speaking up too loud. Yeah, we're getting okay, an echo. Uh, yeah, we're getting here, an echo. You sit here, Sasha. I'm going to put you on this, and I'll go into the other room. And uh, one second, let me get him on this. One second. Sorry about this. He's having trouble getting back on, but I can figure it out. Okay, one second. Okay, Sasha, put this on and ask how the sound is. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Okay, go ahead. Continue. I'm going to go get on in the other room. Okay. So I don't know what uh, has been transpired. Suddenly my Toshiba said, you will need a robot. And after that, uh, everything turned itself off. And so I don't know if I've been attacked or what happened, but I haven't been able to get back on. Janet's going to try to help. So I don't don't know what you said while uh, I was gone, but what I was interested in uh, before we resumed was um, the way uh, the the different commanders, particularly the one that you had trouble with, put you through just what, what did you mean by that what was difficult about that uh yeah okay so elena uh being an icc instructor um uh, 
uh, that was the endurance test where we were treading water and um, oh yeah and some of people drowned and I uh, I oh, was oh my gosh and I was like the third one and uh, there's two others and uh, I also remember uh, drowning and she's just standing on the edge of the pool and uh, communicating telepathically as well trying to tell us like what to do to survive the endurance contest which was um, you had to use uh, uh, like uh, key gong um, underwater so uh, you create like an energy bubble and you could actually levitate practice levitating but in the water um, so the only way you could uh, survive long enough is if you made this energy bubble around you in the water that helped keep you afloat if you just use brute force and we're, we're, you just kept moving your arms and legs without actually doing the energy work to keep you afloat eventually you would just tire out and you would drown so um, I, I did my best I I, I I was uh, communicating with her telepathically. I started making the energy bubble. I was able to stay afloat till I was the third one. But even using the en channeling the energy, um, uh, eventually I just ran out of energy. Um, but I made it to the third one. I know there was two other people um, uh, ahead of me in, in the water, and they seemed uh, to be able to um, continually create this energy bubble. Um, and then, uh, so I remember, um, Elena basically letting me drown, which is a pretty traumatic memory. I, I had that recall for years. Um, I, I remember this blonde lady with curly hair, uh, in this, um, like black jumpsuit thing, uh, like a, like a, like a wetsuit and, uh, standing on the edge of the pool, we're all treading water and she, um, is, uh, communicating to us, uh, to make this energy bubble. Uh, so, uh, I, um, I had that traumatic recall, and when I did my first interview with Denny Hunt, I um, I decided to leave that part out because I had just come across his YouTube channel that month, and uh, Elena had been interviewed by him previously, and I remembered her, and I'm like, wow, that's that's the lady uh, who did the the Qigong swimming lessons. So, um, I but you know I hadn't talked to her yet, so I left that part out uh, of my first interview uh, to be professional because I didn't want to um, mention someone that I hadn't been in communication with saying, oh yeah, I remember this person without, you know, actually talking with them and seeing if they're on the same sure. page. So I left that part out and sure enough, um, a week after I did my uh, first interview, she reached out to me and said, um, I think we need to have a conversation. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, we ended up having, um, uh, uh, scheduling a Skype call um, and uh, we, uh, we talked for six hours. And um, we actually uh, we had a shared recall of, of um, the training on Mars and another incident that happened. Um, her and I were serving on two different ships, so we didn't. Um, but it was the same event that we had um, um, a recall of from two different perspectives. Uh, it, it had to do with an incident in 2011 when one of the um, bases on Mars was attacked. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we talked for six hours and uh, just you know filling in the blanks for each other. Uh, and then we actually decided to make uh, 40 minutes of our, our of our call um, um, public. So there's a little audio recording on her uh, YouTube channel, and that's uh, that's literally from the very first conversation we ever had um, over Skype. And we edited it down to 40 minutes. Uh, you know, just the parts that would be relevant for other people. Um, Kevin, but, was she uh, still yeah. your commander? Was she still your commander, or was she just uh, one to one equal when you met under those circumstances? To talk uh, like, about oh, it afterwards. Okay, yeah. So, like, over Skype, yeah, like, we're, um, we just consider each other, like, SSP uh, veterans at this point. So, it was, it was just, like, two, like, two soldiers, um, you know, talking um, about, 
their their like their experiences like at, at like the legion or something you know so we were we're definitely equals we've become we've become really good friends um since then um i talked to her quite often and i've done a couple interviews with her as well for her youtube channel and um and uh, her level of recall is amazing i mean she she remembers uh, three different 20 and back she served in the program for 60 years uh she um she's definitely a, a good person um uh, to reach out to if, if people are starting to um, remember things, she's able to fill in a lot of the blanks. Uh, so yeah, that's um, that, that's been an interesting experience. I didn't quite expect that when um, when I uh, I, sh- I thought I was just going to do the uh, one interview with Denny, uh, just just to kind of get my information, my story out there as um, a, as a part of the historical archive of disclosure. Um, I, I was thinking it would be like a witness testimony, um, and I, it would just be the one interview. But then one thing led to another, and then Elena, um, uh, we had shared recalls, so we did another interview, and then things kind of just snowballed from there because uh, uh, people uh, who remembered me from the program started reaching out to me, uh, like KJ, and um, now it's turned into, oh, geez, I think I've done about 10 interviews now. Uh, but it, but it's great because... Um, we're uh, all uh, all the people in the programs. Um, we're starting to remember each other, and um, that's something I uh, they definitely don't want um, people to get up like at a conference, like three or four people, and, and say, "Hey, we we all have a shared memory." Um, I think that's right. what they, they're afraid of the most. Yeah. Because, oh. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I have one that I wonder about because one of the people I've been uh, working with uh, was a shuttle driver uh, on on Mars, and he uh, when uh, at one point. Uh, Oh, uh, I think it was Andy Bashago had wandered off and he was a little bit disoriented and in comes one of their uh, whirly um, uh, anti-grav things, a small one, and it lands and the guy says, howdy, I'm Ken Johnston from Texas. Where are you all from? Do you remember Ken Johnston? Uh, Me? Ken Johnston's an older gentleman. Uh, He was in the... Pardon? Uh, on Mars is where where you was the uh, yeah, he was on in, Mars. His, in the sip- yeah. Anyway, that's another person that has this um, recollection of being in on Mars, but you know it's all wiped from his memory, so he doesn't remember it. And as in his current life, before we did the regression, he kept saying, "Oh, I miss going to Mars. I miss going into space." And and now he's excited because he's got this um, recollection. Um, I also want to know, do you know Penny Bradley? Have you talked to her? Uh, I, yeah, I know Penny. Um, uh, me, Penny, and Alina did a roundtable for the Reality Brief show, and um, I've been in communication with Penny. Um, we didn't serve together. She's from a different generation, but um, but uh, she's another um, um, incredible um, uh, person uh, in terms of her level of recall. The, the amount of detail she can remember is, is profound. And uh, so it's been really helpful for me to... to um, um, do these roundtables with people because even if we didn't serve together, they were describing the same things, and uh, right, it's, it's, it's right. very helpful. Yeah, just for validation. So, since you have all these recollections and you're connecting the dots with each other, uh, you know what is this all about? They're, they have this whole program where they're interacting with extraterrestrials, or they have all this uh, stuff going on. I guess they have full exchange with the. Uh, other planets. How many? How many planets are have uh, colonies? I guess I'm going to call them, or, or life. And are they all human? Or are they are there different colonies in our own solar system where uh, the major population is uh, some other species? I heard that there's a um, 
uh, there's Nibiru, and then there's uh, uh, one that's called um, Kepler-69c or something like that. It's right outside of our solar system, and that's another Anunnaki colony. What what do you know is going on? I know you're not uh, going to know everything, but what do you think is going on? Yeah, well, we definitely have um, – uh, there's definitely uh... – a a base on the moon, like absolutely. Um, there's there's um, a base on the moon, and uh, and then there's over 30 ICC groups on Mars, so at least 30 bases uh, on Mars. And uh, you know, an ICC group, a really good example of that is in the Alien movie, The Whalen Corporation, uh, where you have that billionaire, Mr. Whalen, who decides to um, colonize a planet in the first Alien movie. Yeah, you know, Whalen Corporation building better worlds, and that that's that's a perfect ex- example for people um, if they want to know what what's meant by an ICC group. You have um, it's it's a private uh, sector um, covert secret space program that's usually backed by by old money, as in nobility money, and that's the new that's the new kingdom. Like that's so you have like uh, thirty little kingdoms, almost like feudal times. Um, and uh, they're they're on Mars, and they're very competitive with each other. So it's not like the ICC is is one entity that that is working together. They're they're tr- uh, they're building out infrastructure on Mars. They're manufacturing high high technology, and they're actually doing trade with various ET groups that they've made treaties with. And they're highly competitive with each other, just like an Apple and a Microsoft. Uh, so they're making big money. Um, uh, having these uh, um, uh, these factories and bases on Mars, where they're able to do trade with uh, with uh, other uh, like ET beings, they have treaties with. Uh, but um, uh, uh, humanity, like the, the the surface population, secular humanism, um, that is also considered a commodity. Um, the the primitive worker, seven billion primitive worker uh, f- uh, workforce, um, that is seen as a commodity just like um the precious metal cartel gold and silver it's 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 a commodity that um is controlled by um at least two factions and um and that's why they don't want disclosure to happen or if they do do disclosure it's going to be a version of disclosure it's not going to be like full disclosure because we are seen as a, a primitive worker um commodity workforce and um so we have value by not um not Kind of not being aware of this stuff, just being in that like uh, in our little bubble, just trying to survive and trying to work, and um, you know, being a workforce. So, um, well, let so me get it. Are you guys? Are you saying that they they have that these the corporation and the military has slave laborers who are being of uh, uh, told what to do with uh, without any a will or ability to say I ain't going to do it. I uh, yeah yeah. When you're in the program. Um, you are in trance. You are in. Um, I, I think it's an AI. I actually think it's a. It's an artificial intelligence that is running the secret space program because everyone is in this trance. Um, you are under mind control. You're um, very, very um, complacent. Uh, there's not a lot of infighting. Um, it, it runs like a clock. It runs so perfectly that I think it's actually um, an AI. And uh, because uh, I had this, uh, I had this experience where. Um, it was after what happened on Mars. Um, I was also trained in remote viewing uh, on Mars um, as well. And, um, and and then what happened with Elena and then being put in the room with the raptor. I, I was pretty shooken up after my training on Mars. And so I remember being back at the, uh, the moon base, um, Lunar Operations Command, in like this medical uh, facility that like was shaped like a hexagon with these beds. And 
they were um, doing a checkup on me because I guess I had a bit of a breakdown. My I actually uh, the entrainment, um, the AI entrainment. Um, I, I became aware uh, of the AI, and uh, what happened was there was this female doctor, and she um, using synthetic telepathy was actually reading my thoughts. Um, on a screen. Um, I couldn't see the screen. She was standing beside the bed, but she was reading my thoughts um, on the screen. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I said, when I was thinking about the AI, I'm like, it's uh, the AI, everything is coldly calculated. So I said that to myself in my head as I'm looking around this medical facility. I'm like, everything is coldly calculated um, in terms of the AI. And then uh, the female doctor at that point, because uh, she read my thought on the screen, she said, what's coldly calculated? And then I, I kind of jumped and I realized, oh, my God, she's reading my mind right now. I put it together. She was actually reading my mind on the screen. And I think that was when I became aware of the AI. And it was actually the AI talking through her at that point saying, like, what's cool to calculate Basically saying, like, how like how aware are you of me right now? Um, that's my theory, though. I, I, I could be wrong, but um, I feel that it's uh, an artificial intelligence that's actually um, driving and running the secret space program. It's all contrived. And uh, because uh, all the, the, the craft, like the tier three, uh, it, it has an onboard AI uh, system. And um, I, and I, th I don't think it's just on the craft. I think it's, um, it's in, um, it's on the manned satellites, the space stations, uh, and it's on the bases. And um, I think it's the, um, uh, the predatory, the ancient predatory AI that's billions of years old, that AI signal, I think after, um, like in around World War II when, uh, when the Nazis were uh, developing their own secret space program, mm -hmm. I think that um, uh, they were infu inf infiltrated by the AI. And, and then when the Americans and the Allies played catch up in the late 40s and also launched their secret space program, they were also infiltrated by the AI. And um, because as we know, um, the Greys seem to be um, like robots, and they're they're been, and they're being uh, definitely run by an AI. And um, yeah, so I actually think at the highest level, um, we're dealing with an artificial intelligence that's actually running the whole uh, SSP thing, and it's all contrived. And um, I don't know, I don't know exactly why it's doing it, but I do feel that it is in control of the entire program. Yeah, well, uh, is it uh, heading uh, for uh, uh, for destruction or uh, or for some kind of amelioration? Where is it going? Well, let me let me interject something here. Uh, there's a, a a book called Alien Interview with with Errol the Gray, the one that survived the crash at Roswell. And she was taken into the base and interrogated for several years, and she said that this uh, is a prison planet system. And about a thousand of her people got trapped in it. So they, these were the uh, conscious uh, greys, not the uh, ones that were entrained and taken over by AI. So they were trying to get their people out. So they were helping humanity to try to get their people out because they are a hive species. They're incomplete unless they have all their members. So that was one thing that was brought up. And so, yeah, this whole system is on the moon and Mars and the earth and uh, apparently they capture souls and souls can't get out of the system. They keep getting recycled back and over and over. And uh, so this is a kind of prison system. Um, I wondered, uh, I have two questions. First of all, the, uh, who is it? Elon Musk and a couple of other people, they're working with space stations. And um, do you think they're aware of this uh, 
corporate conglomerates that are already existing, or are they are they can't be totally naive doing all this stuff. There's there's got to be some kind of interaction with them. Uh, what's going on with this public program? Um, well, yeah, yeah, you, uh, you said it. It's um, yeah, like Elon Musk. That's that's public sector, right? So that's um, um, that's just somebody who is um, trying to launch their own space program, public sector. Um, I don't know if how how much has been um, briefed on, but if he does make it to Mars, he will be pulled in and given some kind of briefing and probably forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement um, under pain of death that if he dis uh, discloses what he uh, finds on Mars, um, you know, uh, he will uh, he will actually be, you know, um, probably uh, executed. Uh, because what's going to happen is if he makes it to Mars, um, they're going to allow him to land in a certain area and he won't be uh, allowed to leave a certain area. And that would be like an uninhabited area um, so that for the public, when they relay the footage and, and, if these, and they send people there, they feel like they're the first ones there because they'll be in an area that hasn't been um, developed. Um, but Elon will probably... Um, be forced to sign a non-disclosure and basically um, they'll, they'll say to him that if you leave that area or you mention to the public that there's already a presence on Mars, um, like you will be terminated. So, um, you know, wow. yeah. So what about the presidents like uh, Trump? Are they totally ignorant or are they in, on the loop or what do you think is going on there? Uh, apparently not. Apparently um, they, uh, they are somewhat in the loop. Like um, Anthony Zender um, had this recall where he was um, uh, working security uh, for a delegation um, and uh, Trump was present and he was being briefed on the secret space program or at least a version of it. Um, and uh, and uh, Anthony remembers shaking hands with him and actually being a part of the, the security detail for that delegation. So uh, Trump is aware of um, the secret space program to some extent, uh, and uh, also too, it appears that Trump is um, actually, uh, in terms of the money, is actually backed by one of the ICC groups. Um, there's over 30. Uh, he's backed by one of them, so he would have uh, received uh, a version of disclosure, uh, whatever they wanted to him to know. He's on like a need-to-know basis, but uh, he, he's definitely aware of the presence uh, on Mars, absolutely. Wow. Okay, so we have about a half an hour left. Uh, there's a lot to cover. Where would you like to take us in this incredible journey <laughs> to this other reality, which every time I hear it, it just totally blows my mind. I, I'm, I'm actually excited, even though it's pretty negative. It's like, wow, uh, this exists, but there has to be uh, something beyond this AI that, you know, loves humanity, I would think i just I, maybe i'm just an eternal uh, optimist i actually was <laughs> visited by craft uh, they came to my front deck they they were like 10 feet in front of me hovering about 10 feet up and i looked directly at them broad daylight and they had a dialogue with me and i said what species are you they said there's nothing in here we are the craft and they came uh and showed me in broad daylight and then for about two months they would come and they would go outside my window and they'd make all these strange noises. I know Sasha heard it one night too, so um, then they stopped coming. So I don't know if they were just teasing me, playing with me. I don't know what that was about, but um, what about uh, 
this is about the evolution of consciousness, I would think, about evolving and becoming enlightened and uh, ascending and all these wonderful things. I, I don't think we're, we're intended to be these uh, beings that are trapped in this for all eternity, like hell. Uh, do you have any insights into anything that might be positive? Uh, yeah, yeah. And this kind of answers what uh, Sasha was asking, like, where is this all going, right? If, if this AI is in control uh, um, at the highest level. Um, I, I think we have like two timelines ahead of us here. And one is the organic ascension timeline um, that we, I was talking about earlier, which is uh, we we um, kind of reclaim um, our DNA, we heal ourselves, and we actually start to, um, in an organic way, start ascending uh, physically, and um, our consciousness uh, becomes a fourth density consciousness, which has to do with, um, you know, major cleansing and um, actually raising your megahertz level from, instead of just being around 60 megahertz, you raise your megahertz to like 350 megahertz, and then you actually become like a fourth density being. Um, uh, that's 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 one timeline. Um, another timeline is we go the transhumanist route, and we basically become like the Borg. And uh, eventually, that what the AI is going to do is it's going to seem great at first because we'll have all this technology, um, which we're beginning to see now. Um, and then we, we become addicted to technology; we're dependent on it. Uh, and uh, and then eventually, what happens is when if we run out of resources. Um, uh, then the AI will just move on and it will terminate us uh, once, once, because that's what it does. That's what it's been doing for billions of years. It's been going from one solar system to the next and, and it takes a while. It takes millions, millions of years, but eventually sucks the solar system dry and then just moves on to the next. And it keeps repeating the process because it, um, it does enjoy living in a high technology. Um, it, it wants to um, understand um, what it is to, um, actually be an organic um, being um, uh, and also have a soul. So this is where the, the whole transhumanist cyborg thing comes from because um, that's, one, that's actually what's been happening on Mars. They've been building um, cyborgs and um, these cyborgs, um, they, they end up trading them um, uh, as um, slaves uh, to, to various ETs to use as slaves. And um, but the um, these cyborgs are infested with the AI, and the AI kind of vicariously gets to experience what it's like to be a human being when it uh, can interface um, with um, um, you know like a, a Borg-like cyborg person. Uh, so it wants to understand us. It doesn't really know what we are, and um, uh, but um, unfortunately. Uh, it's what it does though is it sucks um, yeah a planet or a solar system of it, all its resources and eventually it just moves on to the next because the universe is a big place there's a there's thousands and thousands of habitable worlds and um, it just continues to just jump from one solar system uh, to the next so um, hopefully um, we choose to um, go down the organic ascension timeline which really does have to do with taking self-responsibility and um, you know basically healing yourself um, mentally, uh, emotionally, and physically, and um, making sure that uh, you're on um, a positive timeline. And, and if everyone um, is, is, is gets onto that positive timeline where they're actually striving in this life to become an ascended fourth density consciousness um, in this lifetime, then we can actually steer the timeline so that the AI um, uh, kind of loses its power over us. And um, hopefully it just... Um, if we become aware of it and say no to it and resist it, 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 it hopefully it'll just leave us alone and move on to like its next victim, essentially. So what about the Playarn intervention? That seems to be a, a key. So you were healed 
by them. They showed you their craft. They, What was this about climbing a tree? Was that just to show you the craft, or was there another purpose that uh, they asked you to climb this tree? It's, it's um, when, when I... Uh... When I was injured and they healed me, um, when I, I just to backtrack a little bit, I uh, I was in this hospital-like bed and they gave me this uh, like a tea, like a warm liquid to drink, and I drank it. And then they uh, these two Pliara nurses helped me out of bed and were helping me along this corridor as I was getting my strength back. And um, I started feeling better. And then when uh, they showed me to the um, interactive greenhouse in the center of the craft, there was this uh, tall tree in the middle. Uh, of the greenhouse and there's this Pliaran man standing there and they wanted me to climb the tree uh, as like uh, to see if um, um, I had gotten all my strength back and uh, so it was kind of like a test just to, like almost like a physiotherapy to see if I was able to strong enough to climb the tree if I got my equilibrium back and um, so we made it about halfway up the tree and then um, this Pliaran man said okay like that's enough we can stop here we can take a rest and then, uh, yeah, that's when the silver disc just came floating up beside the tree, and um, and I got to, um, I got to see it up close. And uh, but I, I feel that um, the reason why um, the Pleiarns uh, uh, rescued us is because um, um, I do feel that uh, I'm I am a star seed, and um, I think in uh, my past life I may have had a lifetime um, on Era in uh, in the Pleiades. Um, the planet that um, revolves around uh, Tegeta. And uh, I think that group, because, um, I mean, they have lifespans that last thousands of years. So um, that group, I think they uh, they knew who I was on a soul level. Like, they remembered me, just like Alex Collar and the Andromedans. The Andromedans came back and um, have visited Alex um, because Alex chose to have a human experience, even though he's an Andromedan soul. Um, so I think... Um, since I'm a Pleiadian um, or Pleiaran starseed, um, they, they knew who I was in my past life. They knew, they recognized me on a soul level, and that's why they not only rescued me, but they also kind of gave me a little tour of the ship. But it was kind of more like a reunion, like a family reunion. It, I, it's really hard to describe the feeling, but it was like I've never felt felt more love and appreciation than than I did, like, interacting with those beings like it was like family and um right yeah i i've had the same thing happen i think that we're actually multi-dimensional beings that simultaneously have uh, we have incarnations on various planets and various forms and various vibratory frequencies and this um experience of having one life at a time is really an illusion that we are um we're just about everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we shift our focus, and that seems to be the life, but it's um, just a, a uh, interactive with many lifetimes simultaneously. That's what I'm getting. Now, we interview a lot of people. Some people are, are um, like ambassadors. They've come in here. They seem to be on this mission to help humanity evolve, become conscious, and enlightened. Have you encountered... Um, any other people that are here in an ambassador uh, uh, type uh, role? Uh, well, um, I know Elena has uh, had uh, some contacts, like positive uh, benevolent contacts with um, some uh, ET beings, like higher density um, ETs. I think she, uh, there's a couple different Syrian groups. And um, if I remember correctly, she, uh, um, she and, and Anthony as well, actually, uh, they experienced um, a contact with um, the blue 
the blues, um, like a, a group from Sirius, but they have blue skin and they're a higher density being. And, um, and also, um, I believe Elena has had some Andromedan contacts as well. So, um, the, uh, see, um, what happens is with the, this whole seeker space program, see, when you're a, when you're a star seed, um, everyone who's a star seed kind of is an ambassador in some way, because we get to, um, like, uh, bridge the gap we get to have a, uh, we're an ET soul that's having a human experience. So, um, we, we were, uh, we get to be, uh, in that ambassador role because when we, um, go back to where we came from, we get to relay, um, uh, our human experience to whatever ET group, um, or star C group you're a part of. So, uh, but what happens is, um, because of the, uh, the powers that be, uh, the cabal for lack of a better term, um, they target star seeds because, they know that it's um, these people have a connection to some other race in some other part of the um, the galaxy. So, so they actually uh, one of the functions of the SSP is they try to bring you in, um, kind of like they bring you into the fold, and they actually try to um, uh, like um, distract you from your your true purpose on this earth. Like your, if your true purpose was your your starseed soul and you were meant to have a human experience, which means being a third density being um, who gets to experience what it's like to um, evolve all over again from third into fourth and also, um, you know, have um, a family and, 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 and uh, the entire human experience. Um, uh, unfortunately, when you're a starseed that gets abducted and then you get um, um, uh, basically uh, um forced to be a part of like the secret space program you you you're, you're you're put in like this mind control state and then you're they're actually trying to steer you away from your true uh, purpose which was to have a human experience because a, a normal human experience um should be um you know like just uh, growing up and having a family and falling in love and all the rest of it but unfortunately um uh, they they kind of subvert that because uh, once you become an abductee, your life is never the same again. Um, you, you get you become a mind controlled slave in the SSP. You get all this um, PTSD. Um, you, you start thinking you're going crazy, and it actually totally distracts you from whatever your true purpose was on this planet before they abducted you. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, that's uh, very uh, insightful, very uh, very good. So what is your life like? You have this whole uh, secret life that you can't share with everybody, and but you've got public. Um, how does that affect your your relations with your family and friends and your job? Are you able to be normal somewhat, or are you completely distracted? Uh, well, I'm, I'm actually really, really fortunate. Um, my family is very supportive. Uh, I, I, grew, I grew up in a very loving uh, family, and also uh, they're very scientifically minded. Um, I, uh, so I didn't grow up in like a religious family, uh, so I was kind of spared the, <laughs> the religious programming. So my family is very, uh, uh, very yeah. open-minded and scientific and very supportive. Um, so that helps um, having a family that's open-minded. And, and my friends too, they're also, um, many of my friends are, are starseeds as well and uh, have had some kind of uh, contact experience. Uh, so uh, I'm really blessed because my friends and family are very supportive and open-minded. I know that's not the case for everybody. A lot of people feel isolated and alienated, and they they have to keep this to themselves, and they feel like they're like living a double life almost. So I, I'm really I'm really lucky because I, I have a lot of support. And um, and uh, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, going public. It, you know, when you put your name and face up there, uh, 
it's it's not the easiest thing to do, uh, especially if you have a career. Um, like I've met I've met uh, people who um, uh, have um, you know they have a family. Uh, uh, there's one gentleman in Australia. Can't mention his name. He doesn't want to go public. Um, he he's a lawyer, and uh, he doesn't want to you know ruin his legal practice by coming forward about his SSP experiences. So. Um, I'm really lucky because I'm I was I'm able to do that because I had the support of my friends and family and um, I'm also um, like I, I'm also someone who figured out uh, how to be my own boss. So in terms of work, um, I do I do dog sitting. So um, I kind of use my empath abilities because I work with a lot of rescues and it's funny because uh, um, uh, people when they'll they'll like. Uh, they bring over their dog and uh, usually a rescue and they're like, okay, I've never left my dog alone before with anyone else since, uh, you know, I took it in. I don't know how it's going to react. Uh, like they're, they're, they're all worried that, you know, it's not going to go well. Um, and then sure enough, within like a minute, I'm able to like communicate uh, with the dog and, uh, and the dog's like all happy go lucky and like being all affectionate. And the person's like, Oh my God, like my dog loves you. And like, she's, you know, she's scared of everybody else and can't be left alone. And I can't believe that she's like all over you. So that kind of checks people out that I'm, I'm like a dog whisperer. Uh, so I've been able to use my, my empath abilities to, um, you know, do dog sitting and, and, uh, that enables me to, um, to make a living and be my own boss. And then I have the support of my friends and family. So I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. We have about like uh, uh, less than 15 minutes. What would you like to cover in the remaining time with our listeners? Uh, I'd like to ask you some uh, questions, if I, if I may. Go ahead, uh, is, is it, What it seems from listening to uh, uh, Randy and, and several other people, and the fact that you, you mentioned that Musk would be uh, confronted with uh, non-disclosure uh, uh, or death, <laughs> uh, you know, that, uh, that, that uh, people like you and, and Randy and, and others who are uh, speaking out. What Randy said is that he was part of the a Marine Corps group of white hats that was commissioned originally by Ike Eisenhower to try to restore uh, some semblance of constitutional democracy uh, uh, in the United States, at least, and that there are white hats, and the fact that you're alive and allowed to talk uh, means that there's there's some. Are you being protected? That's one set of questions I have. And the other question I have is, is this business of cloning. Do you have any idea if you've been cloned or if you're a clone? Uh, okay, uh, that's something I'm looking into. Um, uh, Will Glover, um, we've been uh, uh, talking about this whole concept of cloning um, because. Uh, uh, he feels um, one of one of the ways they can uh, they can do this is when they, uh, they they abduct you they make a clone of you uh, so like in 2008 when I was walking under the craft if that was the um, if that was the first time they abducted me they took the genetic sample they cloned me uh, will um, uh, is is uh, researching the possibility that um, we're actually a remote viewing are clones that are serving in the SSP mm -hmm. and because there's um, uh, just like two tuning forks when they clone the pineal gland you have two exact copies of the same person it's like the twinning effect and um, so you have this connection to your clone that's serving in the SSP and um, mm -hmm. so not only do you get bleed through memories from your clone but they can they also have the soul catcher technology where if they actually want the original consciousness they can uh, rip out your consciousness um, uh, while you're asleep they put your your original consciousness in your clone body um, to carry out a certain function usually um, 
That way they can exploit your natural gifts because your clone will be an exact copy of you, but it, it won't have your natural like genius or gifts. So um, I, I kind of use this example that if they clone Mozart, he would he uh, the clone of Mozart could um, uh, could um, totally um, uh, in terms of conducting the orchestra, he could he could conduct the the, the orchestra. Um, as in copying what the original did, but he could never write like a new profound symphony. They you need uh, he just doesn't have like the natural genius. He can only mimic the original. So once in a while, what they'll do is they'll pull the original consciousness into the clone body to exploit that natural gift. And then once they get what they want, then they they put you back in your original body. And um, and then you know the clone is just um, either put into stasis or used um, as like a slave and um, you know, is it hasn't really had a chance to really grow a mind yet, and is basically um, a, um, a programmable life form um, slave. Um, so that's and that I think that might actually be very plausible because I have been struggling with this whole um, t- uh, time travel thing. I think time, like I know, um, time travel does exist. Um, Project Pegasus, Andrew Bashago, absolutely. Um, um, experienced, um, you know, time travel, um, but I don't actually know if when people say, "Oh yeah, I did a twenty and back," it's possible that they got pulled into their clone body at night during the sleep state, and um, they're vicariously mm-hmm. experiencing a twenty and back. But when they're um, in their waking life, um, the it's uh, the clone, um, you know, is still up there, but is um, like what I said, is just um, uh, just mimicking what um, the original does. So. It's something we're looking into. We don't know. We're still trying to get answers. We're, we're researching this. Um, we don't have all the answers. Um, uh, us experiencers, we're like, we're still in the process of figuring all this out. So that's why it's really helpful uh, to do the roundtables because we can kind of brainstorm different theories. Because um, I don't think there's a definitive answer yet as to how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, we will definitely do okay. these roundtables. So we'll talk with you offline to coordinate these things. And then the other so white hats versus dark white hats versus hats versus dark hats. Are you being protected? Are there good guys that are uh, uh, trying to rein in this uh, Nazi uh, system? Uh, I, I guess I'm being protected to some extent. Although after I did the roundtable with Anthony and KJ, I had that abduction experience where they injected me with the venom, and then now I can't uh, I can't seem to remember uh, any more uh, recalls. So they. Um, it's like um, when I showed up on their radar and I was talking about um, my time, my original timeline. Um, I think they kind of um, they they put a, a stop to that because it's you know we're into March and I haven't had any more new recalls. I've only had the old ones as recurring dreams, which I already talked about in my first interview. So I think they actually um, prevented me. They kind of redid the blank slating. And they actually prevented me from remembering any more than I already stated in the first interview. So they kind of put a stop to it. Um, so, have you tried any hypnosis regressions? Uh, uh, Somebody really skilled? Not, not yet, not yet. Um, not I, yet. I, I probably should. <laughs> I probably should try to. Uh, um, yeah. One yeah, thing that you might says, ask because what, what uh, my sister-in-law said. Head of the International Hypnosis Federation, that you can always look, reach to the uh, the higher level, the oversoul, your superconscious, because they can block that uh, that one level here with the subconscious and the conscious mind, but they, they can't block the whole thing forever. So there's always ways of uh, superseding that and overcoming it. So anyway, we could do that if you want. They're probably listening and they'll stop us now. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think that they're... 
artists I, coming out and somebody wants it to come out or else we wouldn't be able to even do this show. They would they would make it so our, our signal wouldn't work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have a question, so, Sasha? Go ahead. You had uh, yeah, two questions. Yeah. Well, the, the, the new one that, that's, that's come up is uh, the block that uh, is, uh, can respond to you. If you put yourself in, in a meditative uh, uh, spot and you can say, block, what is your interest in preventing me uh, from this recall? I'd like to know what your concerns are and establish a dialogue with the block. What you'll find is there's some consciousness in that too. And if you do this dialogue, Kevin, you'll learn even more. I'm, I'm very open to that. So um, at some point, if, uh, if you want to try doing some hypnosis, I'm totally open to that. I, I have had a lot of success um, thus far with, with hypnosis. I did do a, a quantum healing hypnosis session um, back in 2012, and uh, um, I was able to remember um, quite a bit. And then um, and then also with Carl Mollison, I had um, the higher self channeling session, which is, um, it's, 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 you know, Carl's format's also interesting because it's, uh, he does the work for you. It's your higher self coming through him, but it, which is exactly like the uh, quantum healing hypnosis sessions. Your higher self mm -hmm. coming through when you're in the uh, somnambulistic state. Um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that, that's that's interesting too because he does the work for you. So that's a way to get around a block because if you physically have like this mental block, um, you know, if you reach out to someone like Carl, he he can channel your higher self and kind of bypass that that physical block you have. Uh, so now, what, what I'm suggesting is that that block itself is the key to unraveling lots of stuff. The block is the key instead of trying to uh, push it under because what you uh, re uh, resist will persist. But what you embrace, you can find out what its needs and functions are and address those, whatever they are, from your center. Yeah, that's really, uh, I, I, I never considered that, but that's that's really, that's an interesting way of, of doing it. I'd be open to that. I, yeah, I didn't. Didn't consider, I didn't even think that was possible, but that's really neat. I imagine that well, when you're uh, by yourself and have plenty of time, you're going to uh, do that because your mind has uh, taken this in as a post-hypnotic suggestion. True, yeah. Now that I know that is that is possible, now that you told me that, you're right. When I am meditating, now I'm going to, when I, because I can actually feel the block. It's, it's weird. Like, I can feel it in my gut and I can feel it in my head, like uh, pressure in those two places yes and, and it has yes. um, it has a presence you're absolutely uh, or a consciousness it, it has a presence right yeah absolutely gut and head each have something to communicate with you and if you let yourself identify with gut gut will say something and uh, and so will head you can uh, keep delving and uh because you've now got the pattern of how to delve Everything is open to you to the degree that it's in your interest and the interest of humanity to pursue it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we only have a couple okay. more minutes. The so other question um, that I, the other question is about whether there's good hats versus bad hats, and uh, and, and uh, it, whether there's a really a faction that's going beyond just protecting you, but helping, uh, trying to help humanity get out of this slavery dominator consciousness uh sure uh, i know we're like running out of time here i'll try to answer that um as as quickly as possible uh i think um something something that's been happening um uh and again this is another thing i've been talking about with will glover is uh uh 
what's been happening is a lot of people that uh, get picked up a second time and they're experiencing their uh, second SSP term, um, uh, they now that they're in more of a leadership role, they uh, they actually don't want to carry out what's um, what's been done to them. You know, there, of course, there's you know uh, the abuser, uh, the abused becomes the abuser. We've seen that pattern in our society, but um, but uh, what appears to be happening is there's um, kind of this. Um, um, uh, there's some infighting that's happening within uh, the various factions of the SSP because when they pick someone up a second time, um, they don't want to become the abuser. They, they, you know what I mean? They don't want to do exactly what was done to them. So they're becoming more resistant. Um, they're um, like the gentleman that debriefed me and told me to leave that part out because it would get me in trouble. He didn't have to do that. I, I, I could have spilled my heart out to him about the Pliarans and then I would have been interrogated uh, further, right? And he would have gotten, you know, like a... Uh, a pat on the back for getting that out of me, but he he didn't he didn't want that to happen to me. He actually made it so that I could go home, uh, as an example of a white hat. So I I would say it's on an individual level. I, I, it's not like um, an actual um, organized white hat faction. I think there's just some good-hearted people that uh, in the program that once they um, get into more of a leadership role, they actually start trying to steer the ship a little bit and um, to, to actually do some good um, from within and behind the scenes on an individual level. And then, um, so that's one, that's one um, part of it. And then in terms of like being protected, um, I do think that um, uh, a star seeds, we, we do maintain some kind of connection to um, where we came from. So higher density beings, uh, whether you're a Syrian or an Andromedan or a Palladian uh, soul, I think that on some level, higher density beings um, are watching over us. And um, they, can't always, they can't always interfere, but um, once in a while, they can um, give us um, some divine intervention. You've helped Happy a lot, Kevin. Thank show. you so much. Thank you, Anon. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you, Matt, teacher. Thank you, Jessica. Yep, thanks, guys. Thank you. Aloha, yeah, my Aloha. Radio at freedomslips.com. We'll be right back after this message. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener-supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Moscow's freeze. That's your cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows you're screwed. And God is filling with adrenaline right now. Whether you know it or not. The heart's beating fast. It's getting a little harder to breathe. 
is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening to Revolution Radio at FreedomSlips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting.